afternoon. Thank you for being back in your place. If you would stand, we'll get started with our service. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Dad, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Join me in singing page 170. Hallelujah. No, not one.
Despite my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine bought with the precious blood of Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny, no power of hell, no scheme of man could ever pluck me from his hand, till he returns or calls me If you would, please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 7. 1 Samuel chapter number 7. 
1 Samuel chapter number 7. And um, we'll read the full chapter. And so we'll start in verse number 1, 1 Samuel chapter number 7. And the men of kirjath Jearim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in kirjath Jearim that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods in Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went, up, uh, went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to, were restored to Israel, from Ekron, even unto Gath, and the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. Father, thank you so much for everything you've given to us, your many blessings to us. I ask that as we look at 1 Samuel 7, that you would uh, speak to our hearts, that you would help us to be soft-hearted and not stiff-necked, and uh, that you would help us to understand what you have for us. And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if I were to take a poll, I think that there would probably be just about two answers. And uh, uh, the question would be, uh, in what context is the word Ebenezer used? There would probably be two answers. Let, let's try it out. Two, two, two contexts where Ebenezer you think would be used. In, in culture, okay, Stephen? Ebenezer Scrooge, yes, exactly. Um, our, our, uh, our character from Charles Dickens' uh, A Christmas Carol and uh, the uh, tight-wadded penny pincher uh, who learns about the spirit of Christmas, right? Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, that's not exactly what the Bible is talking about when we talk about Ebenezer Scrooge, but there's another that would be, should be more familiar, at least, uh, to all of us here. Um, thinking about maybe, I'll just give you a hint, a song we sang a couple of weeks ago in church, the second verse. Here I raise mine 
Oh, okay, there it is. Yes, okay. Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Yeah, come thou fount of every blessing. Great song. And uh, it's used in that song. Here I raise mine Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. And we find the word Ebenezer is uh, uh, not a very common word, but we find uh, the meaning of it here in our, in our text tonight. And so we'll consider what it means and uh, the necessity of having an Ebenezer in our lives. And so uh, just to catch us up to where we are, uh, chapters 5 and 6, we looked at that, that Israel and the Philistines both treated God very casually. Uh, they, as they approached God, it didn't matter what, they, what God wanted. They were going to treat God how they wanted to treat Him. And uh, they, they treated the Ark of the Covenant uh, however they wanted to. And, and we would expect that from the Philistines, wouldn't we? We would expect that from them, but not from God's own people. God's own people treated God casually. And we see here the, the beginning of our chapter, the results of that, where uh, the men of uh, kerjath Jerem came and they fetched up the Ark of the Lord and, and, uh, in verse number 1 and 2. And it came to pass while the Ark abode in kerjath Jerem that the time was long, for it was 20 years and the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. We find that because of the casualness uh, in the way that they treated the Ark of the Covenant that, that uh, at the end of chapter 6, that 50,070 people died from Israel. Over 50,000 people died because of how casually they treated the Ark of the Covenant. And, and as they treated the Ark of the Covenant casually, they lost, uh, they lost some of its power. It didn't rest where it was supposed to. It didn't rest in the tabernacle. It didn't rest in Shiloh where it was supposed to be. The men of kerjath Jerem held it for 20 years. For 20 years they held the Ark of the Covenant. And they, they suffered a great defeat. And because of this defeat, we find that Israel lived in this defeat for 20 years. They lived in defeat. Not only did they live in defeat, but they lived in destruction. They, they lived in destruction. The Philistines for 20 years would, would come after them and would wage war and would take their cities and would, and would, and would kill their men and would take their women. And, and they lived, because they lived in defeat, they lived in destruction. They lived in dismay. They lived in discomfort. For 20 years, they had no peace from God. They had no peace with God. They were just by themselves. They, they, they lived in defeat. And how often is that the case with us? We heard about it in the, in the revival meeting, that we live in defeat uh, as Christians. And because we live in defeat, many things will happen. We don't serve the Lord and, and things don't go well for us because we're just living in defeat. And we accept the sin in our life and we don't take care of it. We don't get rid of it. We just accept it and we live with it. And this was where Israel was. They were God's people and they were living in defeat for 20 years. But notice what happens. We're thankful that somebody came and they noticed that, uh, and this was Samuel's job, he, he noticed the, 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 the state of the nation of Israel, the spiritual state of it, and he preaches to them, verse number 3, And Samuel spoke unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. He came and He preached repentance. That's what He preached. He didn't say, oh, you know what, you lost the ark, but you know, you're doing okay. You've got some stuff that you're taking care of. You're, you're doing okay. It's not that bad. It's just it's only been 20 years. That's not what Samuel came and said. Samuel came at them and he said, listen, you're serving Baal and you're serving Ashtaroth. And if you don't get this right, you're going to suffer even more destruction. You're going to have to get it taken care of. He preached repentance to them. And notice how they responded. They didn't respond negatively. 
They didn't say, oh, Samuel, you old fuddy-duddy. Why are you preaching at us like that? Why are you preaching so hard to us? Why, why, are, you, why are you preaching us that we've we got to get rid of all this stuff? No, they said, we're going we're gonna to get this taken care of. Notice what they did. Then, verse number 4, Then the children of Israel put, did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and served the Lord only. Their inward faith caused an outward action. That's how it's supposed to work, by the way. An inward faith should cause an outward reaction. And this was, this is, these are God's people. But for 20 years, they claimed the name of God. They claimed to be the children of Israel, and yet they served Balaam and Ashtaroth. Uh, Balaam, and, Balaam and Ashtaroth were two false gods, and Balaam was, the, was a male deity that was kind of the, the quote-unquote god, uh, god of the fields and god of the harvest and those things, and Ashtaroth was a female deity that was uh, the, the deity of, uh, of love and fertility. And so, uh, as, the, as the belief goes, when they served Baal and Ashtaroth, uh, then, they, then they claimed that they would have uh, success in their harvest and in their fields. Um, and, and I remind you where Israel was living. They were living in the land of milk and honey. They were living where it was supposed to be a land of great harvests. They were supposed to be living in a place where there was great success and great prosperity. But instead of serving the Lord, they served Balaam and Ashtaroth. They couldn't give the real harvest. They couldn't give the real success. Only God could do that. And yet they said, we're going to serve Balaam. We're going to serve Ashtaroth. The people of God said, we're going to serve someone else for what we think we can get. But only God could give them what they needed. And, and, uh, and I'm afraid if we're not careful, we'll fall into that. That we'll serve the, we'll serve the world to get what we think we want. We'll, get, we'll serve the world so that we can get success or so that we can find uh, fulfillment or so we can find pleasure or we can find uh, any number of things and we'll, uh, we'll work extra on Sundays or, or we'll text with our boyfriend and girlfriend or we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll turn on the music when, when nobody else is listening or, or whatever the case is and we're serving the world in the name of God. We're supposed to be people of God, aren't we? But we serve the world to get what we think we want. That's not what we need. We need God and what he can give. And so what did they do? They got rid of him. They put away Balaam and Ashtaroth. And notice they didn't just only put him away, they served God. A lot of times we get into trouble when we think, well, I'm just going to get rid of this stuff, but I'm not going to go the extra step and really serve the Lord. But you've got to have both. You can't just put away and not do something else. Something's going to fill that void and if you only get rid of Balaam and Ashtaroth and you don't serve the Lord, you're going to go back to Balaam and Ashtaroth. It's going to happen. That's why Paul talked about, I think, in the New Testament where he said, uh, put off and put on, right? If you, if, you put off tr- if you put off lying and you don't put on truth, you're just going to put on lying again. And, and all the other examples that Paul gives there in Ephesians chapter number 4, they put off Balaam and Ashtaroth and they put on serving the Lord. They said, we're going to go for this. We're going to serve him no matter what. And so notice then, verse number uh, 6, what happens. The, the result of obedience was the reward from God. God. God gave them the reward for obeying them. Verse number 6, and they gathered together, uh, or verse number 5, and Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. Mizpah was uh, historically, as you look back at, at Judges, uh, in the book of Judges, Mizpah was a place of repentance. Israel would gather at Mizpah at different times specifically so that they could repent from, to the Lord for what they had done. 
And so, so, so Samuel calls them back here, and he says, come to, to Mizpah, and I will pray for you. And he, he wants to intercede for them. And so they go, in verse number 6, they gather together uh, to Mizpah, and they draw water, and they pour it out before the Lord, and they fasted on that day. The, 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 the drink offering is something that was set up by God, uh, and it was a symbol of them pouring out their, uh, it was symbolic of them pouring out their hearts to the Lord. They said, whatever is inside of us, we're pouring it out. Everything is for you. Everything that I am, which is not much, everything that I am is for you. They poured out before the Lord. Um, notice uh, back in, uh, you don't have to turn there, I'm going to read, read it though. In chapter number one, uh, Hannah uh, mentioned a, a phrase like this when she's talking to Eli. You remember that she was at the temple and she was praying and she was, uh, she was mouthing words, but it, it could not be heard audibly. And so Eli claims that she was drunken. And so notice Hannah's response. Listen to Hannah's response in chapter 1, verse 15. No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. She was, she, everything that was in her, she said, Lord, you can have it. She poured out everything before the Lord. And so that's what Israel did as a nation, collectively. They poured out before the Lord. And, and notice also that they fasted on that day. Uh, they, they refrained from food and they refrained from drink uh, so that they could show their seriousness before God. God, this is not just something that we're saying in our actions, but this inward faith is coming outwards. This inward faith is going to have action attached to it. It's not just going to be something that I say I have, it's going to be proven. That reminds me of the book of James, right? Faith without works is dead. You can, you're saved by faith. But how will anybody know that you have faith if you have works? And so we need both, faith and works. Works doesn't justify, we understand that. But works need to happen if there's something real on the inside. And so Samuel preaches repentance and, and the reward of obedience, and Israel obeys and they, and they seek God. And notice then verse number, uh, verse number 7, And the Philistines heard the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. Rightly so. They'd been in defeat for 20 years, and, and city after city was taken from them. And so they heard that the Philistines are starting to stir up, and Israel thinks, oh no, this is not good for us. They, they had just started to get to a good place. They had put away Balaam, and they had put off Ashtaroth, and they, they said, we're going to serve the Lord only, but also we're kind of scared. Because we've been in defeat for 20 years, and so what's going to happen to us now? And so notice what they say, verse number 8, The children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Samuel was their intercessor. They, they asked Samuel to go before God for them. Could they have done it themselves? They could have. They could have, but they knew that Samuel was a man of prayer. That's the testimony that Samuel has for all of history. Look, look real quick, if you would please, at Psalm 99. Psalm 99. If you have the same Bible as me, it's page 743. Psalm 99, and verse number 6. Samuel's testimony, his legacy, was that he was a man of prayer. Psalm 99 and verse number 6, Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord 
and he answered them. Samuel's legacy for his entire life. Samuel was not perfect, and we'll see that a little bit next week when we talk about Samuel's kids uh, and, and the, some of the things that Samuel didn't do right. Uh, but we understand that his legacy overall was this, that when Samuel prayed, God heard him and God answered the prayer. That was Samuel's legacy. And so Israel went before Samuel, and they said, Samuel, we need you to pray for us. We need an intercessor. We need somebody who will stand between, someone who will stand between us and God that will plead on our behalf. I hope that you're catching on. We have an interceder, an intercessor, somebody who stands in between us and God for all of history, second after second, after day after day, after, after week after week, after month after year after year after year. From the time that we are saved until we go to heaven, there is an intercessor in heaven for us that is standing by. Intercession applies what the, cross, uh, what the cross accomplished. The cross accomplished our forgiveness. The cross accomplished that. It is finished was his cry. Hallelujah, what a savior. It was accomplished. But now the application of that is that Jesus stands, at the, sits at the right hand of God, and, and, and he intercedes for us every moment. God, Father, your son needs your help. Your son needs forgiveness. Moment after moment after moment. And there's not a time when he does not intercede for us. He doesn't ever go on break. He doesn't take vacation. Uh, he, never, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Psalm 121. He doesn't do any of that. Every second he intercedes for us. I'm glad for that. 1 Samuel chapter 7, the, they, they ask Samuel to intercede, and so Samuel does. Verse number 9, And Samuel took a suckling, a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. Notice it. The Lord heard him. The Lord heard him. And verse number 10, and, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against the Lord. Stuff starts cooking. The, Israel, the Philistines move in. And I'm sure maybe you, maybe you think this, I think this. The Philistines are thinking, we're going to get him again. We're going to take another city. We haven't gotten Mizpah yet, but we're going to get it now. Because we've got all these other ones. We've, we've got Bethel, or, or excuse me, we've got um, uh, verse number, uh, let's see, um, uh, all, all the cities, right? Verse number, uh, verse number 13, 14. Uh, they had taken Ekron, and they had taken Gath, and they had taken the coast thereof. We, we've taken all of these, and now we're going to take Mizpah. We're going to take the place that means so much to them. We're going to take the place of repentance from them. We're going to take it. The Philistines th think that. But notice verse number, verse number 10. But the Lord thundered a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines. This is not just a phrase. I, I noticed this. that This is not just a phrase that Samuel uses to describe it. I think he uses this exact phrase because it's a, it's a fulfillment of the prophecy from chapter number 2. Look over there. Look at chapter number 2, please, real quick. Chapter number 2, and you remember that Hannah's praying to the Lord, and she's rejoicing, and, and she's, uh, she's, she's been given this from the Lord. Verse number uh, 10 says this, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces, and notice it, Out of heaven shall he what? Thunder upon them. It happens. First chapter, in chapter 7, what God said would happen did happen. And by the way, that's how it always is. What God says will happen does happen. 
It might not happen yet. It might not have happened yet, but it's going to happen. And we can trust in his word because of that. They were, they, he, he, the Lord thundered with the great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. They were broken to pieces, as chapter 2 says. They were, they were broken. The Philistines, the mighty Philistines, who for 20 years had taken city after city after city, they were discomfited, and the Lord thundered upon them. And what happened? Israel had victory. Israel was victorious because they obeyed God. And notice, notice how Samuel responds to this. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah, and they pursued out the Philistines and, and smote them until they came unto Bethkar. And verse number 12, here's where we find Ebenezer now. <clears throat> then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. That's what Ebenezer is, and it says it in the song. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. Ebenezer would have been a, a, a very large stone, uh, much larger than we, even we would have a, uh, you know, um, like a tombstones or a gravesite, much larger than that. Like a, a very large pillar of stone he set up, and uh, I'm sure that he would have carved it as well. And so every time that Israel passed from, uh, from Mizpah to Shen, every time they walked along that road, they could see this pillar, and they said, this is where God helped us. This is where God gave us the victory. And they, were, and they could be thankful for generation after generation after generation after generation that God helped them. Hither by thy help I'm come. And so we find that Israel obeys and seeks God and, and, and they are victorious. And Samuel sets up this stone and, and then we find at the end of the chapter as we, as we get to the end of the chapter that Samuel's life is, is, is summarized here. Uh, we find the, the, uh, the events of the battle. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Now notice that it's just all the days of Samuel, and the Philistines are going to come back, and we'll see that in 1 Samuel. They're going to come back. Um, I remind you of chapter number 16, when the Philistines are against Israel, and they, they have a, a giant now. They have a champion among them. And so they, uh, they, they are subdued for the days of Israel, or for the days of Samuel, but they had victory. And verse number 14, The cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron, even unto Gath. In the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. Uh, this was not just a big one-time event, right? It, it, it's not. It's not that just the same day that Israel beat the Philistines uh, near, uh, near Mizpah. That's not the same day that all this other stuff happened. There was a lot of work that had to go into it. By the way, when you, when you get right with God, there's going to be a lot of work that comes with that. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you have to do. There's going to, be, there's going to, there's going to have to be uh, social media accounts that are deactivated. There's going to have to have friends that you might not be able to talk to anymore. There's going to be places that you're not going to be able to go to. And it's going to be a process. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a step-by-step. It's not going to happen all in one day. You're not going to just come to an altar uh, after a Sunday morning service or at a camp service or at a youth conference or uh, during a missions conference or during a revival, and you're not just going to pray and everything's going to be okay. You're going to have forgiveness, and you can see victory, but there's going to have to be some work put in. There's going to have to be some effort. Uh, when, it, when Israel was given the land of promise, it was the land of promise, but they had to go and fight. They had to go in war. They had to go take it. So there's, there was stuff that Israel had to do. 
They put away Balaam, and they put away Ashtaroth, but they had to go, and they had to get back their cities. They had to go and get them back. And so they go, and they do that. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And notice Samuel's life. Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. And, and, and his return was to Ramah, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. We find Samuel's, uh, this, is, uh, this is really the main and only chapter we find Samuel as an adult uh, fulfilling all of his roles as priest and, uh, priest and prophet and judge. Uh, this, this is the place where we find it. The rest of the time we find Samuel, he's dealing with Saul or he's dealing with David. Uh, and, he's, and he's more, uh, uh, not as much the leader of Israel as he is a servant. And he still is a servant here, but this is where he's doing all of his jobs. He's the judge and he's the priest and he's the prophet. And he's fulfilling all of these things. And so we, so we notice as, as we finish up this chapter, I want to ask you just a few questions. Number one, are you living in defeat? Are you living in defeat? Are there things in your life that you have allowed to overtake you where you might not be a true and not hypocritical servant and member of, of this church? Living in defeat, and yet you come and you sing the songs, and yet you go home and you struggle with these things. It, it's hypocritical. The Greek word for hip, hypocritical, it, it has the idea, it was, they, they would call the actors in Greek plays hypocrites because uh, there would usually be just one person in the play. And so in order to differentiate, differentiate between which character they were, they had a different mask. They would put this mask on for this character and this mask on for this character. They would put this mask on for church and this mask on for my parents. They would put this mask on for my friends and this mask on for the other people. Right? And that's what happens when we live in defeat. Because we want to come here and we want to look good, don't we? We want to say all the right words and we want to say all and do all the right things and we want to sing the right songs. But when we live in defeat, that's not really who we are. And so are you living in defeat? You don't have to. Because there is an intercessor. There is somebody who can help you, who can give you grace, who can go before the Father and say, my child needs help. My son needs help. There is somebody that can intercede for you. And so, uh, and so in light of the first question, are you living defeat? The second question is, have you taken your intercessor for granted? Have you taken him for granted? Oh, he's, you know, we're fine. I'll just go and I'll just do my thing and I know that he's up there doing his thing and so I'm just going to do my thing. That's not how it works, friend. That's not how it works. We have an intercessor because we need an intercessor. If we didn't need one, we wouldn't have one. But every single moment of every single day, we stand in need of somebody who will be our intercessor. And so have you taken him for granted? And then, last, and then lastly this. Have you remembered where the place God gave you victory. Have you remembered the place where God gave you victory? Or have you not gotten victory yet? Because once you've gotten victory, it's pretty hard to forget that. Pretty hard. I remember some of the places that God has worked in my life and, and, and done different things. And, and the place could be anywhere. It doesn't even have to be a church. Uh, just, just even most recently, uh, the Lord's been trying to work on my heart about being a better witness. And so one of my places of Ebenezer is Sombrero's Mexican Cantina. I'm serious. 
Brother Humbert and I and Miss Crystal and Miss Lori, uh, Miss Lori Humbert, uh, we all went out to lunch on Wednesday. Pastor let me take out the guest preacher. And we talked for two and a half hours about witnessing. And in, in Sombrero's Mexican restaurant is where God spoke to my heart that I've been a terrible witness. That's an Ebenezer for me. The place where I ordered chimichangas. I'm serious. It can be anywhere. And I have other places. Shawnee Baptist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, when I, where I went to youth conference. Uh, I'm sure that some of you have Ebenezer's at Sagmont Baptist Youth Camp and, and uh, Heartland for Youth Con. And, and, and this place right here where many decisions over the years have been made. And Ebenezer, a place where God gave victory. Don't forget that. Don't forget that you can have victory. Father, thank you so much for everything you've given to us. And Father, thank you for the fact that we have an intercessor. Thank you for who our intercessor is. There's nobody else that can do that for us. Lord, if there's anyone that's living in defeat this afternoon, Lord, I ask you to help them to understand that they can have victory. It might not be easy, but they can have it and that you can help them and you can give it to them. Help those who are living in victory that they may not forget the place where you, where you help them, that they might go forward even more for you. We love you and ask this in Jesus' name. As the piano begins to play as we stand to our feet. If you're living in defeat, you don't have to. You can have an intercessor. You have an intercessor that can help you. Brother Jay sings verse number one, trust and obey.
announcements before dismissed. Uh, the ladies' meeting this Thursday at 7 p.m. here at the church. And so here for that uh, patch program next Sunday afternoon. And uh, be sure to bring uh, all of your stuff for the morning service if you're not able to go back. So be sure to be prepared for that. And then the Fall Praise Festival, there's a sign-up sheet in the back, the 29th. And the teen fundraiser, there's also a sign-up sheet for that on the 30th during the during the lunch uh, lunch hour. And ladies' Thanksgiving on November 5th at 5.30. So uh, we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. Brother Potts, if you would.